Want to learn to integrate your work? Want to connect and train with AI experts? Do both and more at GTC. The premier AI conference comes to the East Coast, November 4th and 6th. Join over 3,000 developers, researchers, policymakers, and CIOs at the GPU Technology Conference in Washington, D.C. Choose from over 100 sessions on the latest in deep learning, cybersecurity, autonomous machines, HPC, intelligent video analytics, healthcare, 5G, VR, and more. Join Capital One, Kerasoft, HP, MIT, NetApp, NIST, NIH, NVIDIA, SAS, and many others at GTCDC. Government registers free. Learn more at gputechconf.com. That's gputechconf.com. Welcome to the NVIDIA AI Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Kravitz. If you're familiar at all with supply chain logistics or transportation, you know the term last mile. The final leg of a journey, whether you're moving people or goods, is critical to the business health of any company working in these spaces. And guess what? Our friends, the robots, can help. Felipe Chavez Cortez is co-founder and CEO of Kiwi, a robotic ecosystem for last mile delivery. Headquartered in Berkeley, California, Kiwi is in close proximity to an ideal testing ground for the automated delivery of lots of small goods to lots of people, bringing food to hungry college students at UC Berkeley. Felipe, thanks for taking time out of GTC 2019 to join the AI podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. So let's start with the basics. Tell us about Kiwi and KiwiBot. Your website has a wild video of a courier riding a tricycle, packed full of robots up and down Telegraph Avenue. I live near there. If anybody listening lives near there, you know Telegraph is right off the Cal Berkeley campus. There's a lot of restaurants and shops. Tell us about that. I'm sure that's only the tip of the iceberg of your story. What is uh, Kiwi and KiwiBot up to? We build robots for food delivery. As you mentioned, we have delivered already more than 30,000 orders in the last 10 months. Okay. And so it, this is something that it's actually live, that it's uh, working. Right. You can go to, if you live around the campus or if you go to, to, to Cal, you can uh, order whenever you want. And we work uh, seven days a week. 24 the, hours a day? Not 24 hours. Okay. So we work from... 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. Basically, what we are doing is it's optimizing and building how the delivery is going to work in the future. So we are trying to to get uh, that future our reality for now. So deep learning, computer vision are at the core of lots of autonomous vehicle navigation systems. How are you guys using DL and computer vision? And what, if anything, is unique about your approach to solving the, the problem of autonomous navigation? I'm very convinced about the incredible progress that the society is going to have with, with AI and, and all the things that uh, are happening right now in the ecosystem. But we have a different approach or like a unique approach. Yeah. I think that what differentiate us from other companies working with AI is that we are investing heavily in parallel autonomy. 
Yeah. So for the ones that are not familiar with the concept, it means that uh, you use AI, but you also have human sensor as an input. Okay. So we have a fleet of uh, 100 robots in Berkeley delivering goods every day. We also have a group of people 3,200 miles away in Colombia and Medellin. Okay. We have one human being, one person in Medellin that it's capable to control three robots in three different locations with up with uh, up to uh, five seconds of latency without any mapping, without any, we don't need to install RTK sensors or RTK antennas. No, we can start uh, anywhere where we can have uh, an internet connection uh, of about 500 kilobytes per second, we can put our robots to work. Okay. So we, of course, have a Jetson TX2 NVIDIA. We have uh, six uh, cameras on board. We have a uh, radar on the robot. We do uh, slam techniques. We do a lot of things. But uh, we have recognized that there's uh, tons of edge cases. And um, just to give you an example, we are crossing 2,000 streets per day. Okay. We cross 2,000 streets per day. Right. So even if we have 99% of autonomy, like the, then we'll be like like 20 uh, times per day that yeah. we will be crossing uh, streets with high risk. Right, so, which is a lot. Yes. So so our approach is that we will we're building an infrastructure that involves humans that are remote uh, that give inputs about what they see, and in the final sensor fusion system, the human input uh, it's very important. So are the humans kind of course correcting when they see obstacles or something going wrong? Or what's the human role in this sort of, uh, I don't know, semi-autonomous situation? Yeah, yeah making sure, basically making sure that they, are, that they are in the correct direction. Also, sometimes uh, we have on a behavioral neural network that allows us to have the robot centered in the sidewalk, but sometimes not centered in the sidewalk, so making sure that it's centered in the sidewalk. And also uh, just giving extra inputs about the position, so where exactly is the robot, the direction, like navigation, like works if it's heading to the correct place, and uh, for uh, high-risk uh, phases of delivery, like crossing a street. So every time that we cross a street, we have have a physical and virtual radar on board, six cameras, uh, 300 degrees of view, but we also have a human that uh, confirms that the input that we receive from the traffic lights, the input that we receive from the radars uh, are correct and it's actually safe to cross. So the interesting part is that we can control multiple robots with just one human mind and we can actually enhance the navigation uh, having the human. So was this your model from the beginning or did you set out thinking you would build fully autonomous robots and then kind of pivot to this uh, sort of semi-autonomous human oversight model? Because we've talked to a lot of companies and there are, we've talked to some and there are a lot of companies out there building or at least trying to achieve this fully autonomous model of delivery robots. And you guys have this unique approach. I'm just wondering how that came about. Yeah, I think that like when we started, we started with a... 100% 100% remote uh, robot, but uh, it was very difficult to control it because basically the latency was a big issue. Also, uh, the control, the robotics control was very difficult. So we recognized that we needed AI. And at the beginning, I thought like, okay, let's invest, uh, let's try to invest all of our resources in order to, to get to a fully AI system. But what was, what moved the needle was actually understanding the logistics. So 
I believe, and, and the philosophy of the company is that in order to build the robotic system of the future, we need to be out there doing thousands of orders, right. understanding how it's going to be the interaction with the restaurant, how it's going to be the interaction with the uh, customers, how the community is going to accept the robot. Sure. And it's very difficult to build it in a lab. Yeah. So when we started to analyze the costs, operational costs that are like amortization of the robot, uh, um, internet costs, uh, deployment costs, battery logistics, recovery, Everything related with having a robot outside doing deliveries, actually having a human brain in Medellin, in Colombia, was very small part of the cost. I think I mentioned before I live near Berkeley. I'm familiar with Telegraph, where you're where you're doing uh, the testing, and I've seen your video. And you've got a somebody riding a tricycle, and the tricycle's loaded up with robots, and they. From what I can tell from the video, they go by the the restaurants and they'll stop and load the robots up with the orders and then ride back and deploy them. How did this model come about? Is it something that you see being sort of the optimal model of a kind of a human sort of managing the robots on the fly? Is it something that came up out of necessity? How did, how did this model of the human riding the trike full of robots come to be? So remember that I told you that we believe that in order to build the robotic system of the future, you need to be out of the lab? Yes. We actually consider Berkeley our lab. Yes, yes. many people do. <laughs> yes, so the trike was one of our experiments. Yeah. It was based in a hub-spoke logistic model that basically we, our hypothesis was that we can deliver like in a more efficient way if we had that model. Right now it works like a, we put a, a on hold, like that project is on hold, the trike, and we are betting more in the integration with the restaurant. So we, at the end, it, when you are doing um, deliveries that are less than uh, 0.7 miles, mm -hmm. the robot is enough. The other part is that we saw that like the biggest uh, roadblocks were in the first part of the journey, like the transition between the kitchen mm, and right, the robot. Right. So right now we are working on, on some under-the-radar projects that will integrate that part. And urban-wise, like like in the urban scenario, we are focused totally on the robots and the KiwiBots, that's all. And and without asking you to uh, divulge secret sauce and under-the-radar projects, how have the restaurants responded, the ones you're working with? When you talk with restaurant owners, and one of the, their biggest problems is actually staff, how many people they have in their kitchen. And in peak hours, it's very difficult. Actually, a restaurant, like 60% of the companies that are created uh, every year in the U.S. are restaurants. It's a very difficult business. Yes. It could be even more difficult than a startup. Right. It's yeah. very difficult. And at peak hours, they don't have the bandwidth to load the robot. Like they right. will say at right. the beginning, like, yes, this is cool and everything. But as soon as they have... Uh, like 20 orders in one hour, and they also have customers over there, uh, they will load the robots late. So then uh, when we experienced that, so that those kind of insights, you got them as soon as you start to do hundreds of orders per day. So yeah, when you start yeah. to do hundreds of orders per day, you realize, okay, they can do it for one per hour, but when you have 30 orders in one hour, they are not going to do it. Those kind of insights like uh, pushed us to create and develop technology to make that transition faster. And you will see in a, in a couple of months uh, the outputs 
of those experiments. We're speaking with Felipe Chavez-Cortez. He's the co-founder and CEO of Kiwi, a robotic ecosystem for last mile delivery, a.k.a. bringing food. Is it just food you bring other goods or is it only food at this point? Yeah, at this point, 99.8% of our deliveries are just food. Okay, so bringing mostly food <laughs> to the very hungry students of uh, UC Berkeley and, the, and their neighbors. Uh, let's switch, it, switch gears a little bit and talk about you, your background. You're a little bit of a serial entrepreneur, if my research uh, holds up. What were you doing before this and what led you to co-found Kiwi? So I was skiing in Chile before <laughs> So this is what an entrepreneur does, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. No, actually this is my third company. Yeah. My last company was uh, in logistics, in delivery. I'm originally from Colombia. Mm -hmm. Like in Colombia, I created, uh, when I was in college, a food delivery service, like a Instacart, like groceries. And we operated in Colombia and Mexico. Then I sold that company. I went to Chile for an incubation program that it's named Startup Chile. Okay. And um, I started to play with robots. My, I actually studied business, but I know how to code and I like to play with robots. Yeah. And uh, so I started to build a robot uh, just for fun. And one of my best friends, he was working here at NASA. And I started to show him the videos of the things that uh, I was building. So he was very excited and I invited him to Chile. I also invited uh, my ex-co-founder in my last company and uh, we started to work on, on a robot. And the crucial point was when we finished the first version, we needed to like buy new parts and uh, the delivery time to Chile was six weeks mm. and the delivery time to California was uh, four days. And we took a plane and we landed on a parachute here. So (laughs) take the most direct route. Yeah. Yeah. Like Berkeley have received us with open arms. Like this is actually my first time in in the U.S. since I I arrived. And Uh, you landed in Berkeley. (laughs) Yes. And um, and people are amazing. Mm -hmm. The community of Berkeley have been very patient with our product. They have been very supportive. Are you working directly with the university or what channels do you have to go through to to deliver food? Yeah. So the university through Skydeck is one of our investors. Oh, It's one of our seed investors. We have been working not just with Berkeley, but also with other campuses. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're about to expand to other campuses in the, in the next month. Great. It's a very interesting um, step to, to actually build a, a, a bigger infrastructure in the U.S. So what do you think is next, both for Kiwi and also more broadly, the last mile delivery industry? Are bots the future, robots, or is a hybrid system that's kind of akin to, and again, I, I'm focusing on that video just because it was, <laughs> it spoke to me. I've been to Fat Slice, I, you know. Is it kind of more of a hybrid model of humans kind of helping to smooth that transition you mentioned with the, the restaurants interfacing with the robots? Like, where, where do you see this all going? Another important fact, Bogota, that is the capital of Colombia, mm-hmm. is one of the cities in the world, I think that is the, 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 the fifth one with more deliveries per capita. So actually we have a strong delivery culture. Right. And I also used to live in London. That is one of the okay. cities in the world with like also very strong delivery yes. culture. Yes. I also used to live in uh, Shanghai, okay. uh, where it's another city with a strong delivery culture. And one of the things that was very shocking for me when I arrived to California is that there is no- Yeah, strong, it's not as much. Yeah. It's not as much. Yeah. 
And, and when I started to make the research about like what was happening, it was very interesting that the penetration of uh, like online food ordering was very low. It was when I arrived, it was like 6%. When uh, was it? Uh, two years ago. Okay. And now it's 9%. It's gone up, yeah. Yeah. If you compare that with China, with Meituan, uh, that's like already more than 30%. Right. Or with yeah. uh, Rappi in Latin America, uh, in their biggest cities, it's, it's it's more than 20%. Yeah. So being in the richest country in the world with the biggest trust in e-commerce and with an incredible culture of productivity, it's insane that we are not ordering every. <laughs> like 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 several times per day. Yeah, yeah. And one of the biggest roadblocks, it's of course that the logistics are very inefficient. So what we believe is that we can create a system that is going to also use humans on field. It's going to have humans behind the scenes, but it's going to allow everyone to order several times per day. And like a price point and speed is fundamental. But I think that finding that finding a way that people can order several times per day without worrying a minimum quantity or like a minimum price, mm -hmm. it's going to be fundamental and we want to build that. What, if anything, has surprised you since you got into playing with robots, let alone working with, with Kiwi and working with AI-related, you know, DL and ML and, and all that good stuff? Has anything jumped out at you as kind of surprising or if not surprising, even kind of a, a, a pivotal moment in the progression of the industry? It's incredible. Like, of course, there are several challenges. Like, I think that uh, sometimes you, when you are building AI, you feel that it's a black box and that are not totally sure how exactly it works. But yeah. also, there is a very interesting part that, for example, when you are building a, an AI infrastructure, sometimes the AI part is just a small uh, block. Right. You also need to have um, very strong software engineering and like pipelines and a lot of things. Yes. Like very strong infrastructure. So that that's very interesting because I thought that it was like a different field, but it's very <laughs> it's very close to, yeah. to to software. In the other hand, the bad thing about hardware is that the iteration it's 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 so much more difficult when you make mistakes. So mm -hmm. when you make a mistake or when you want to update something, it's going to take instead of like a one weekend without sleeping and trying to fix the bugs, it's going to take two months until you get everything from China or an upgrade and do the assembly and everything. So I think that those are like two characteristics, but in general, it's actually one of, like, I really like biology. And uh, when you see, for example, we have a robot that could do obstacle avoidance and being centered in the sidewalk. And we have a Jetson TX2 on board and six cameras and big batteries and like a lot of a big team working on that. Yeah. And sometimes you just see a fly and that fly, it's, it's incredible how that animal could actually fly right. and could yes. do obstacle avoidance and reproduce. So it's, it's kind of understanding or like it's a way to appreciate the world that we have out there and uh, just trying to do a small thing. I think that it's magic and it's, that's the best kind of engineering that you can do. The folks listening can't see this, but as I'm looking at you, I'm facing the the windows of our hotel room here at GTC and the sun's setting. The light is sort of magical. And as you're speaking about this and I'm thinking about the fly and the amazing things that nature does in our pursuit to sort of replicate and innovate around those, it's... Um, it is. It's magical. It's, it's cool. magical. We are we are blessed and very fortunate to be able to work on a field like this. And uh, it's amazing, yeah. So where do you see this headed, Kiwi? You've got a couple or one other or more than one other campus kind of in the works that you're, you're going to be We're going with? to be 
in more than 10 campuses next month. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so very excited about it. Well, if people want to find out more about the work that you're doing, uh, where can they go online? Yeah, they can go to kiwibot.com. Also, I'm starting to tweet more. So <laughs> it's Felipe Kiwi 90. Yeah, we are going to launch very interesting things if you are interested in, in, in robotics, in parallel autonomy, uh, in last mile delivery, um, definitely shoot me a message and I will be very interested in uh, talk more about it. Very cool. Well, I think I live just outside of your delivery radius, but I will take a trip to Berkeley. I will hang out, maybe not on Telegraph, but I'll hang out on Bancroft by the campus, get the app, place an order, experience it for myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's a very good experience. Yeah, no. Have you, have you received an order from a robot? I have not. That's on the bucket list. Yes, that is very, exactly. Yeah, that's I know, very important. If I'm doing this podcast, you know, for goodness sake, I should, I should get very myself a robot delivery. It's very important. I'll come down to campus, I'll, I'll place an order, and then, uh, you know, maybe we'll do a follow-up. Who knows? Cool. Perfect. All right. Felipe Chavez-Cortez, thank you so much for making the time. Thanks a lot. Wish you, this is... When people listen to this, it'll be after the fact, but wish you a great GTC 19 and all the best with Kiwi and KiwiBot. Awesome. Thank you very much for inviting me. 